Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. So if you're visiting here with us, God bless you. You've come to a great church. There are good people here. Keep hanging with them. And uh, we're, going to, uh, we're going to look at um, uh, a passage of Scripture that is really on my heart for your church here. Uh, and we're going to look at Ecclesiastes. Now, as a matter of fact, let's look at Ezekiel. <laughs> as a matter of fact, let's pray. Otherwise, I'm not, where we're, I'm not sure where I'll end up. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help me today uh, to stay focused, uh, to be sensible, as much as I'm able to be possible, sensible. Uh, and uh, Father, I pray that when all is said and done, that it's you that have said it and that you have done it. And so I pray, Jesus, and thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, can I pray, hover over the surface of this uh, meeting and touch our hearts, transform our minds, do something so powerful, profound in us that it would uh, make a, a, a substantial difference in our life because we want to make a difference to others. And so we give you praise for that. Ezekiel chapter 3, uh, verse 15 says, Then I came to the captives of Tel Abib who dwelt by the river Chabar, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished for seven long days. He was astonished. I want to speak to you about the theme in this passage of Scripture. Uh, I sat where they sat. He went to the river. I'm not sure. I have an idea what he saw that caused him to be astonished. Now, you could be astonished for a moment. Maybe you could be astonished for an hour. But you do ask yourself the question, what on earth was he astonished about that it would linger on for seven days? Uh, so he went there and the Bible says, I sat where they sat. Sometimes you don't know what something's like until it happens to you. What do you think? Really? You don't know what it's like until it happens to you. I walk into the lounge room and I'm going down the corridor and I'm hearing some hollering and I walk into the lounge room and there's my wife. Uh, at that stage, we had two young, young daughters. And she's lost it. She's lost it. She's raised her voice. She's freaked out at him. I'm thinking, oh. I said, love. I said, is that necessary? <laughs> I said, raising your voice like that. Like, love, where's the control? Well, can't you be more calm? more composed like car and then I walked off <laughs> came and gave my contribution that was adequate anyway it, look it wasn't much longer Pastor Steve we're in the uh, car we did a road trip to, to the Gold Coast it was the only road trip I did after that and uh, and the kids were an hour out of Geelong going through Melbourne and we're just on the other side of Melbourne. I'll never forget it. They are losing it, man, in the back seat. Hey? I mean, they are flipping right out. And uh, they were not the only ones that flipped out. And they are really, really losing it. And I'm just... I'm just... Kate's doing her... Trying to do... And I'm just... I turn around. I said, will you just shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Turn around. Kate looks at me. <laughs> <laughs> hey? 
She goes, control, composure, calm. Wow, love, that was really impressive, man. <laughs> really. You ought to write a manual on it, you know, like, you know. Sometimes you don't know what it's like until you've sat where someone has sat and understood what they are feeling. <laughs> so, so Ezekiel goes down to the river of Tel Aviv and uh, he's astonished. What's he astonished about? And why are they even there? They are there because they've take, been taken captive by King Nebuchadnezzar. The Babylonian Empire has come through and rampaged Jerusalem and has taken the Jews like the Nazis did when they invaded Poland and other European nations and took them from their homeland, took them from everything they knew and some of them were born and bred there and removed them from their land and took them, took them like Nazi Germany to Babylon as captives for 70 long years. And they've lost their home. These people, they're at the river of Tel Aviv. They've lost their home. They've lost their hope. They've lost their dream. Families have been split up. They're, in the, they're by the river there in sorrow, in grief, and in love. What was the man astonished about? God gave him an assignment. He said, I'm going to raise you up. You're going to bring a message to the Jews, to the children of Israel. Your assignment is to preach, the, preach, preach what I'm going to give you to the people. Every one of you have got assignment. Every one of you have got a purpose here. You've got to believe that there's a purpose on your life. And so this man had an Ezekiel. But before he could even start, before he could even step into his purpose, before he could even bring something to these people, God says, I need you to do something first before you step into your assignment. I need you to go down the river. I need, you to feel, I need you to go and see something. Well, what did he see? He saw refugees of war. He saw people who lost their home. He saw people who were homeless, lost their business, lost their freedom. And before Ezekiel could say anything, listen, before he could say something, he needed to see something. Before he opened up his mouth, to say something, he needed to feel something, to see something, to connect with something, to engage with something. He needed to see their plight. He needed to feel their pain. He needed to understand their sorrow. He went and sat where they sat. That's what he said. That's what the Bible says. He sat where they sat. You're going to bring something to this society. You're going to make a transformation and make an impact. You're going to do something in life, Ezekiel. You're going to be profoundly, prof profoundly used by me. But before that happens, I need you to feel what people are feeling and see what they are going through before you ever say something. You need to see something, feel something. Let it touch your heart. One of the reasons Bob Hawke was celebrated this week at his passing is that he seemed to be able to, I don't know, engage with, with society and connect with everyday man and he sat with them and told the whole nation when we won the America's Cup, basically said there's no need to go to work. <laughs> they understood him. 
Ezekiel was astonished at people's plight for seven long days. He was astonished in the pain. He was not the only one that the scripture talked about like that. When Job's three friends went to visit Job in his miserable existence and state, the Bible says there, you read it, that they sat with him for seven days they were astonished. The Bible says exactly the same words, that his friends went and sat with Ezekiel, uh, with, with Job and were astonished for seven days. Sometimes what people need is not some word of counsel, it's not some word of opinion from us. They just need someone to come and sit with them, put, their, put your arm around them, comfort them, hear them, feel them, understand what's going on. Who can say amen to that? And so, you know, um, at, the end, at the end of the day, who wants optimism from an armchair coach who has never coached a game of AFL or even played a game of AFL? Who wants to hear something from someone like that? Who wants to hear something from a long-haired prophet who has no scars on his back? Richard Baxter said, he said, I will listen to no man I will listen to no man who has not felt what I have felt. In, the, in, the, in Genoa, which uh, Frank and Teresa are going there to holiday, and I've been to that city. Last year in August, uh, the 80-metre long bridge fell. You might have seen it in the news. 43 precious lives died. They didn't, they didn't know that that was going to happen, and it happened. And uh, the city was consumed in an atmosphere of death. Grief, sorrow had bitten the lives and hearts of families that were related to them. And, and, and that's just tragedy, a deep-seated tragedy, an atmosphere over the whole city such as they would not been experienced before. That weekend, there was a soccer game on. And 20,000 people packed the Genoa Stadium. This is a shot from there. All you can hear for 43, for the first 43 minutes, all you can hear was utter silence in the stand where 20,000 people were. The only noise you could hear were the soccer players on the field. Pass it here, kick it there, headbutt head, head it, you know, so on and so on. All you could hear is noise and commotion on the, on the field. The entire stadium stood astonished in absolute silence for 43 minutes in honour and remembrance of the 43 lives that were lost. And many in the stadium didn't know what to do, what to say, except out of a regard and respect just to stay there in silence as one image after the other of the lost soul would flash up on the screen in remembrance of the people's death. Ezekiel went there and he sat where they sat and remained silent and probably speechless. And God just wanted him to be impacted by the pain in the society, by the deep-seated loss and grief. I don't know. Sometimes we would ask ourselves the question, my God, when was the last time I was deeply moved by humanity's plight? And so he went and sat where they sat. And my question to you is, will you go and sit 
where people are sitting. And, and I'm saying in the first service, then Pastor, Pastor Steve knows this because we've prayed like this. I've prayed like this. Oh, Father, fill the seats. Fill that back section there, dear God, those empty seats. Fill them, fill them, fill them. Holy Ghost, fill these seats. Fill them, Father, fill them. I sometimes wonder whether we should be saying, my God, Lord Jesus, touch our hearts here in the church and help us fill the seats outside there because if we'll go and sit where they're sitting out there, they'll come and sit where we're sitting in here. What's lacking is someone to go and sit where they have sat. That's what's lacking. Ha! I remember in the Geelong Plaza, going there in Westfield Shopping Plaza, and uh, I'm, I'm going out, I don't, <laughs> don't do it often, go with my wife, I don't consider the activity very productive. But, uh, and so she comes and she goes into the Westfield Plaza and she's uh, going to go shopping. I said, oh, love, you know, you go ahead and do that and uh, I'll just get a newspaper and uh, have a bit of a read. You let me know, text me when you're done. And so anyway, she goes off and there's a park, there's a park bench, there's a shopping bench there in, in house, first floor. I'm on that first floor and uh, I go and sit down there. There's an elderly man there. He's in probably, I don't know, about 70 and sits, I go and sit down next to him. And uh, sometimes, not all the time, I'm thinking I'd probably never see him again. I think I'll just go straight, moving straight away, straight away. So what's your name? My name's John. My name's Zoran. I said, John, do you, are you a church man? I thought, well, just go straight. Um, and he said, I used to be. I used to be a church man. I said, you used to be? He said, yes, I did. I said, why did you used to be a church man? He said, oh, well, he said, I'd not been for a while. It'd been a few months, three months. And I decided to go back. And when I went back, the minister was uh, there and he greeted me in the foyer and he said, ah, John, we haven't seen you here for a long while. He said, no. He said, "Uh, I I thought I'd come back. He said, John, he said, we have a seat for you. We have a seat for you with your name on it and it's reserved in hell. And I thought, I thought, I said, John, John, he's right, John, that man is right. That minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ is absolutely right. There is a seat, it has a name on it, and it's in hell, and the name that's on that seat is your minister's name. (laughs) You know, I, I know, I know, I should not have said that. I should not have said that. It's not a very good thing to say. It's not a very, but I was upset because that minister was not a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to seek and save that which is lost. For the Son of Man has not come to condemn the world, but to touch its heart and draw them to himself. For his kindness brings us to repentance. Not that nonsense. And I said, John, I said, I want to tell you on behalf of the ministry how deeply apologetic I am that you had to confront nonsense like that. I said, John, has anybody ever shared the message of salvation with you? He said, what is that? I said, the message of salvation, the good news of Jesus Christ, and I start to disclose it. When I disclose the message of salvation, he said to me, you know, this is a man who's been to church nearly all, all his life. He said, I have never heard anything like that in all my life. I said, that's a tragedy, John. I said, John, would you like to invite Christ? Anyway, he said, I would like that very much. 
I prayed with him that he would receive Jesus Christ. And that would have never happened if I had not sat where he was sitting. Empty chairs all over this region, all over Mildura, empty chairs with people sitting on one side and there's an empty one on this side and it's waiting for you to come and sit where they sat. It's waiting for you, it's, it's waiting, it's waiting, it's waiting. Oh, let's, let's pray, church, let's pray, let's pray. Daily, let's pray during the week. Holy Spirit, today, would you direct my steps? Would you guide my path? Would you help me share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know, uh, there's a, uh, she's a, she's a PA, she was doing a, uh, she was in university and she got a scholarship to do her PhD as a biochemist. And as she's doing a PhD in biochemist, I, biochemistry, I was studying the Word of God in Matthew chapter 5, where it's talking about that you and me, we are the salt of the earth. The salt of the earth. And I thought, what is the, you know, it uh, wasn't the brightest spark in, in, in the area of chemistry. Who hated chemistry at school? <laughs> Who thought, what, what, what relevance has this got to my... <laughs> and... Uh, I said to Emma, I said, Emma, give me the layman's version, an understandable version of what the chemical composition of salt is. She said, oh, that's easy. She said, one chemical, it consists of two chemicals. One is a positive chemical and the other is a negative chemical, but that doesn't constitute salt. I said, explain. She said, you, it doesn't, crisp, ready? It doesn't, I thought, my, I nearly got slain in the Holy Ghost when I heard that. <laughs> She said it doesn't crystallize until what's positive comes in contact with what's negative and then it forms salt. Well, the Holy Ghost is all over me, all over me. He said, what good is it if you're saved, if you go to church, if you tithe, if you read the Bible and you even understand that the blood of Jesus Christ is for you, God is for you, Christ is for you, the Holy Ghost is for you, the Word of God is for you. You go to church and you experience this positive atmosphere of fellowship that's about you and around you and He's moving in you and all you do is remain that way and what's positive in you never comes in contact with a negative world. You're positive, but you've never, ever gone and sat where they sit. You're out here somewhere. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya. Someone's boring, my Lord. When what's positive? Says, come on, Holy Ghost. When what's positive out here has got a passion to make a difference in other people's lives, even, 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 even when you can't get to them, he gets them to you. Oh, yeah. God says, God says there, I like that boy there. He, I, he is, I like him. He can't get to this person. Well, I'm going to get this person over there to them. That's what I'm going to do. Because he's got a heart where he wants to sit with. I was telling the last, last bunch, you know, I'm holidaying in the Gold Coast, praying and 
not praying heaps. I don't have to pray heaps. Just, Lord, lead my steps. Let me be a blessing. Let me be a blessing. Help me to be a blessing to people. Well, I'm in Victoria. We've got a guy called Peter in, on our board. But I'm in Victoria on, in Coolangatta on the beach holidaying in one high rise. And our friends, we went with them and they were in the other high rise across the street. I said to Kate, I'm going to go and see Jeff. Okay. So I cross the road, go see Jeff, ninth floor. I finish seeing Jeff on the ninth floor. I go back into the hallway. There's two elevators. I'm going to walk into the first one that opens. The left one opens and it's full of people and Peter is in the elevator. I look at Peter. Peter is from my board in Victoria, 2,000 kilometres away. I said, Peter, what are you doing? Peter says, what are you doing here? I said, on holidays. He's got Anne next to him. We're having this conversation. Plenty of people in the elevator. Doesn't matter. We're having a conversation and he said, this is Anne. Anne and her husband own this 22nd story apartment, high rise. She lives on the top floor. I was just saying to just then, saying to Anne, who has had a dream, and I said, what a pity that my pastor is not here. She's not saved. What a pity that my pastor's not here. He would, Jesus would help him to be able to help you understand your dream, disclose the meaning of And you're here. We just had that conversation. He said, how long are you here for? I said, I'm here for the week. Come back a couple of days later. I've taken the 22nd floor up to the top, penthouse building. Man, some people know how to live, hey. Penthouse bit. I love the view. I love the furniture. I love the, I've, I've almost forgot why I was there. I go and sit where this lady is sitting at the dining table. Sometimes people sit differently, you know, they're opposite you. And Peter's here and she's there. I said, what's your dream, Anne? She tells me, Holy Spirit opens up the meeting. Well, I'm about to reach out to her. Before I'm even done, she reaches her arm, hand, grabs my arm, grabs Peter's arm and says, pray for me. Pray for me that my life would be transformed like yours is. Because she's a broken woman. There's some wealthy people broken. And when I prayed for her, years later, I said to Peter, I said, how's Anne going? He said, she's never looked back, Zoran. Her life is transformed. 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 Transformed because I sat where she sat. And then I was telling these guys uh, at the first service, that's two weeks ago. I'm on the aircraft and I'm going to sit on the aisle seat and this lovely, attractive girl, 25 years of age, on the window seat. And the middle one's empty. And she's crook ass, man. Sick as, and I'm thinking, mate, there's no way I'm talking to her. She can stay there and I can sit here and that's it. I'm a busy man. I've got things to do. I've got God's business to get on about, you know. Open up my laptop. Anyway, I made up my mind. There's no way I'm talking to some sick, you know, can you believe it? Would you like me to pray for you? No, I'm not talking. And the lady comes and sits in the middle. She's 45, about 40, 45 years of age. She's a Christian woman who's going through rehab. How I found out, she started a conversation with me. And uh, she's just talking about how good God is. How did she find out who I was? I was working on my laptop and up comes the header on my notes, Planet Shakers College. She looks at it. She goes, because I'm busy. This man's busy, people. 
as if I've got time to talk to people. She glances over, she says, she looks at the header on my laptop, Planet Shakers. I thought, oh God. I said, yes. I said, you heard about it? She said, yes. Starts a conversation, that's how it started. The lady over here in the window seat is eavesdropping. She's listening to this. She, I noticed that she's sketching. And I thought I can talk to her. Hey, there's one, there's a buffer in the middle. I told, <laughs> I told, you know, I'm really, guys, I'm not that godly, eh? I, you know, many times I say, Lord, you're going to have to help me, Father, please. And so I say, hey, what you're sketching on, that's really nice. What's your name? She says, Jarrah. I said, nice quality timber, eh? Jarrah. <laughs> Some of the dumb things you say, you know, timber. I said, wow, I said, what's got you into sketching? She said, it brings out the spirituality in me. Well, now I know. I've got to, I've got to keep this conversation going now. I said, spirituality? I said, have you got a background in spirituality? She said, oh, but and she starts to talk to me about the new age movement, and the new age things, the Buddhists, the Hindus and she says, talks about enlightenment. And I said, oh, no. I said, enlightenment. I said, the word light is enlightenment. I said, I'm into light also. She said, are you? I said, yes. Your light, Jarrah, is down here. My light up here. I said, you're <laughs> I said, your light is very inferior. I said, my light is superior. And I said, because I said it like this. I said, my light is superior. She got superior. Really? I said, oh, man, really? I said, totally. Totally. I said, what a pity that you have to settle for something less. I said, do you know? I said, I'm into light. I'm into pure light. Yours is kind of got, mine's pure. She said, pure light. I said, yes. She said, what's this thing, pure light? I said, it's not a thing. I said, it's Jesus Christ who said he's the light of the world, Jarrah, the light of the world. And Jesus, your stuff. She goes, ooh. I said, yeah. I said, oh my word, Jarrah, when Jesus Christ and his light comes into your being, you are totally lit. Totally. I said, you're settling for a light bulb when you could be the MCG come alive. You're running with the wrong people, Jarrah. I had to settle down because I was starting to preach a bit, you know, in the aircraft. I don't know if anyone else was listening. Anyway, I didn't know, I didn't tweak till later because I said, how far do you live from Santa Rabina? And she says, oh, half an hour. I said, there's a church there called Glow. How would you be, eh? I said, how far are you from? She said, that's half an hour. I said, here's my card. They know us there. 
Go to the church. Run with people that you need to run with who will change the world. And tell them that you met a crazy guy on the plane. And he said that if I come to this church, I would find pure light. <laughs> she said, you know what? I've just been thinking lately that I should get a new batch of friends. People that are going somewhere in life. I said, oh my word. People going somewhere. Jarrah, come on girl. Come on. I said, this is not a coincidence that I'm here sitting where you're sitting. She said, so you don't believe in coincidences? I said, not a chance, man. She said, do you believe in destiny? I said, yes. She said, I believe in that too. I don't believe in chance. She said, I believe in design. I said, my God. I said, that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm telling you. That's why I'm sitting here where you're sitting. Here. I thought, my God, I sounded so confident. She has no idea. I did not want to talk to her. <laughs> she still doesn't know. I hope she never hears this recording, eh? <laughs> so I'll go and sit with her. And she says, I'm going to go to this church. I said, you do yourself a, a God-given favour. But I, I'm getting sad. I was sitting next to her. Sometimes, I'm going to prophesy to you people. Sometimes you're actually sitting right now next to someone. And if you would just get engaged with them. She was sitting there all along. Seeking and searching and nothing would have happened unless I got involved with conversation with her. What do you think? Oh, yeah. Matthew chapter 9. Oh, my word, Kyle. You said we've got to finish at 20 past. It's Matthew chapter 9, verse 10. Later, Jesus went Matthew's home to share a meal with him. Many other tax collectors and outcasts of society and were invited to eat with Jesus. He sat where they sat. Mark chapter 2, verse 16, where the teachers of religious law and who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? He went and sat where people were sitting. John chapter 9, verse 1, and afterwards, as Jesus walked, John chapter 9, verse 1, Regan. Yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Afterwards, as Jesus walked, as Jesus was walking down the street, he noticed. Why don't we put that word, those words in massive bold, 72 font. He noticed. Wow, man, how many, you're walking down the street, you might just not notice. You're in a school. He noticed a blind man. He healed the blind man. I'm fast-tracking the story. He healed the blind man, and the Pharisees make a big deal of it because Jesus healed him on the wrong day. What was wrong with Jesus? Why couldn't he heal him the next day? Come on, man, just suffer for one more day. 
It's the Sabbath, hey? I can't do anything on the Sabbath. You hang around, come back later, come back tomorrow and we'll look into it. Then he heals him on the Sabbath. And the fa- you read that later. The Pharisees, God, Lord, they interrogate him. After interrogating him, the scripture in chapter 9 says, then they went and interrogated his family. After interrogating his family, they came back and interrogated the man that was blind again. After, after that, after because they said to him, who do you think you are telling us, you filthy sinner? That's what they called the blind man. Who do you think you are telling us, you filthy sinner? Ready for the next passage? Regan? Jesus heard that they, can you believe they threw him out of church? And when Jesus learned they had thrown him out, oh my word, he went to find him. Ah, well, geez, you know, he's healed now, he'll be all right. Jesus, they threw him out. Yeah, but he's good now. He'll find his way, that's okay. No, 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 no. He went looking for him to find him. You're sitting here today and you have no idea how much and how long Jesus has been looking for you to find you. The wonderful thing here this morning is that just maybe you have got an opportunity to find him today. magnificent part of the story which we're finishing is that Jesus took the steps down so that you could take the steps up he come down from heaven why? to sit where you have sat are you a minority this morning? Jesus was born do you feel like a minority this morning? Jesus was born into minority. The Jewish people who are oppressed. He understands you. He's sat where you've sat. Are you in poverty? Jesus has sat where you have sat. He wasn't born in the Epworth Hospital in a private suite. He was born among sheep, donkeys, cattle, wearing nothing but swaddling cloth. He has sat where you've sat. Are you rejected? Jesus came to his own and his own rejected him and did not want him. He understands rejection because he has sat where you have sat. Have you been betrayed? Have you? Have you been betrayed? Jesus understands betrayal when Judas sold him off for 30 coins of silver. He understands betrayal. He understands what it means to have someone walk out of your life. Have you been falsely accused? Jesus was constantly, constantly falsely accused. He understands you because he has sat where you have sat.
They said he was a drunkard. They said he was a heretic. They said he was demonized. They made up stories of him. He sat where you have sat. Have you been publicly shamed? He was the Son of God, the Crown Prince of Glory, who walked away from everything he had and took the steps down to be publicly shamed and humiliated on the cross. Have you been shamed? He has sat where you sit. Jesus took the steps down. Hey, he took the steps down. Crown, Prince of Glory, Son of the Living God, heir to the kingdom of the Most High, seated at the right hand of God, took the steps down from His royal, celestial, heavenly position and took the form of flesh and took the steps down to sit where people are sitting, not to leave them there, but to take their hand so that they can now take the steps up and sit where He is sitting they can take, did you hear what I said? They could, you do not no longer have to be a sinner, have to be an outcast, have to be a reprobate. You don't have to stay down there and be a degenerate, a loser, a nobody. You don't have to live in the mindset of pessimism, of negativity, of doubt, of addiction, and of stronghold. You don't have to be overwhelmed by despair, discouragement. You don't have to sit in negativity and failure and grief and shame and guilt and sorrow. Jesus Christ came down steps so that you can take His hand and take you back up. And now you're sitting in a different seat. Now you're sitting here. You are an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. You are seated in heavenly places. You have a royal position. You are a son and daughter of the living God. You're not a parasite. You're not a nobody. You're not a loser anymore. Jesus came and sat where you sat so that now you have a position here and you can sit where He is sitting. So who's come here today? You come here today? Let's have the band up. You've come here today. Look where you're sitting. Sitting in your grief and despair. Look where you are. Sitting in that sin. Sitting in that shame. Sitting in that guilt. And it's a heavy thing. Look where you're sitting. Sitting on your own, all lonely. Sitting in that place of darkness. Oh my God. Is there a Jarrah sitting in this place? Is there somebody who needs to know pure light? Jesus Christ. Light of the world. Man, when He comes in and His Spirit comes and touches your heart, you will light up like you've never lived. I'm telling you, take it from this guy here who was 18 years of age and gave his life to Christ. My sister gave her life to Christ. My mother gave her life to Christ. Nine months later, an alcoholic, strongly addicted man, my father, chain smoker. Eight, nine months later, a violent alcoholic on the brink of divorce bowed his knee to Jesus Christ and said, God, I can't kick this wretched monkey off my back. This alcoholic, 
alcohol has got a hold of me. If you can't set me free, I'm going to lose everything I, I love, my family and everything. He opened his heart up to Jesus Christ in 1981 and we're in the 2019 and never touched a, a drop of liquor since that day because pure light had eliminated the darkness in his soul. Pure light. Come on. Why don't you open up your life to Jesus Christ? Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you are a young man like me at 18 when I did it. Maybe you've left it and you think I've left it till too late. You're never late. I'm going to pray for people here who've never, ever invited Jesus Christ into their life. I'm going to pray for the backslider here. I'm going to pray for the person like John who hasn't been in church for three months. It didn't feel like he belongs. The devil putting the guilt trip on him saying, look, look at your mess. Look at who you are. You don't deserve to go to church. Thank God. Jesus Christ is not like that minister that told that dear man you're going to hell. Jesus did not come here to send you to hell. He came here to send you to heaven. Thanks for joining today. It would be so awesome to see you at church this Sunday. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.